Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Now, when it comes to truly all-mountain skiing, Marcus Kasten probably has the nicest turn in the game. He's also one of our favorite marginal conditions, aka everyday conditions, skier, and he's also got one of our favorite video series called Return of the Turn, which if you fancy yourself to be a real skier, then you need to have watched all of the very short but very sweet episodes, and I have good news for you. Episode number 10 just dropped a few hours ago, and we have links to it in the show notes of this episode. And in honor of the occasion, Marcus and I talked on Thanksgiving Day about this latest episode and about the Return of the Turn series itself. We also talk about coaching and about why it is that people seem to think that Marcus is from the East Coast. Also in this conversation, I proposed some best-slash-worst ideas for upcoming episodes in the Return of the Turn series, but spoiler alert, even my worst ideas really seem to just be great ideas, and so paging Glenn Plake. Oh, and Marcus and I also talk a little bit about Crested Butte, and if you would like to come check out our little mountain, or come to the upcoming Blister Summit in February, then check out the guide we've put together called Getting Here, Gunnison and Crested Butte. It is a really helpful resource for figuring out how to get here, and it has a lot of other useful information in there. So check out our Getting Here guide in the show notes of this episode, and you can also learn more about the Blister Summit via a link in the show notes of this episode. How helpful. Furthermore, this episode of the Blister Podcast is presented by Avocado. You can see all of Avocado's products and learn more about their extremely impressive sustainability efforts at avocadogreenmattress.com. And you can also check out my evolving article, which we titled Jonathan's Sleep Experiment, where I talk about some of the things I'm currently reading and doing to try to get better at this whole sleep thing, including some of the avocado products I've been using to try to get better at this. And again, I'm still doing pretty good here. I'm on a good streak. So anyway, check those things out via the links in the show notes. And now... Let's get to my conversation with Marcus Kasten. Here we go. Well, Marcus, how are you today and where are you today? We are super. Um, I'm in Salt Lake, about to go to Thanksgiving dinner with my family, my girlfriend's family, and my sister's boyfriend's family. So that will be uh, interesting. (laughs) Yes, I think it will. Uh And yeah, you know, lovely to be talking with you on Thanksgiving Day. You know, when people had been asking me, you know, what are you up to for Thanksgiving? I started thinking about what would what would make for, you know, the best Thanksgiving possible. I I thought, well, probably be a great time to catch up with Marcus. Oh, and you did a little skiing earlier, as I understand him. And I did do a little skiing. Yeah. So I've been skiing. 
You, I understand, were riding bikes this morning and then kind of not eating food, which maybe is sort of a pro move on Thanksgiving Day. Like, don't eat prior to the big feast. I think it's a pro move if you are doing that on purpose. Um, I am just forgetful. (laughs) There's no, like, triggers. Like, you rode bikes and you're not like, funny, I'm hungry now. No, so I rode bikes and I came home and I had to do uh, chores. So I uh, started doing chores and I just forgot to, uh, you know, eat. So <laughs> in hindsight, in hindsight, it was a pro move. Yes, in hindsight, it was a pro move. Yeah, kind of an amateur move turned pro, we hope. That's just how I live my life, you know, just <laughs> pro move. Accidental pro moves left and right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, this is good because the last time I saw you, you actually were driving me to the airport. That's right. We were in Jackson Hole. And so I feel like what would be an appropriate, you know, follow up to having, you know, Marcus chauffeur you to the airport, a Thanksgiving Day podcast. So I feel like we're nailing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, uh, I think I'm in better shape than that morning that I drove you to the airport. If I recall, <laughs> that might be true. You did a great mm. job, though. It was excellent drive, excellent driving. Well, hey, the occasion for this conversation is, uh, you know, a bit of a celebration of the return of the turn. And in fact, when this conversation drops, which will be this coming Monday, you've got a new episode that might be out might be out to the world yeah no monday monday morning so it'll be it'll be out no pressure to put any finishing touches on that well thankfully uh my work partner there tim jones who films and edits and directs and produces and does the whole thing um is doing the whole thing so um you know i we meet up i give my input or whatnot but he uh you know at this point it's it's on him so if it doesn't if it's if it's not out on monday that's a tim jones problem Uh uh-huh gotcha okay that's wise wise on your end push it on to somebody else yeah while you enjoy thanksgiving day right yeah good it is thanksgiving you know and so i did want to ask you if maybe you had like a most memorable Thanksgiving day that you could share with us? Well, I just got back from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, Actually, we were on a Warren Miller tour. So the film just showed last week. Um, And it was a couple years ago we were back there and it just happened to land on Thanksgiving. And uh, as it's a tradition, that whole crew um, does that show every year. And we went to the Rotary Club and, you know, served turkey brunch and then jumped in the ocean and like local news came out and just a bunch of people from the show that random people that night that got, you know, heard we were jumping in the ocean and wanted to come for some reason. Um, So they all came out and then we all went for a big twin lobster lunch after that and then back to the movie. So (laughs) yeah, that was probably the most memorable Jumping in the ocean, is that a tradition that pre-existed you all deciding to do this? 
I don't know where that started. Um, like I said, the road crew that does that Portsmouth show is kind of the same show. They they go to that same stop every year, you know, then they have just gotten to know everyone in town. They're like little local celebrities. And so they enjoy going back and I don't know, that's their thing. I just get up, uh, you know, he's psyched on it and I'll just, you know, I'm a follower. So we are here to celebrate the return of the return <laughs> of the turn. <laughs> and help us understand because i feel like i don't know everybody in my life at least this is like one of their favorite things but there's been kind of an interesting history of the return of the turn series i think this started about four years ago is that right i i think that's about right it starts to get blurry about two years ago uh you know see yeah, i think we did I think this is our fourth year minus last year, which was COVID. So something like that. I think we, we did season one. I think we did season two. And then I think we did season like two and three quarters or something. And then maybe three. So I, I don't know which season this is, but it's uh, it's our 10th episode. So um, yeah, 10th episode coming out Monday. It's a really fun 10th episode, but I mean, they've all been really fun episodes and Let's see, uh, I guess this is a bit of a memory test. Whose idea was this going back, say, four years ago? Did you come with this idea? Had, had you, well, just tell me a little bit about how this whole thing got kicked off. Well, I did an episode um, with Adam Clark at Snowbird. And we kind of, it was one episode and we put together all inbound skiing. So it started off. Um, you know, with a little bit of, it wasn't powder, but it was just kind of like ski what you have in the resort. And then we threw in like a little bit of moguls and then we threw in some groomers and it was like pretty successful. And I was like, kind of, you know, this is what skiing is to me. This is the, you know, if I go <clears throat> skiing on the, um, you know, from my house, I just drive up there and that's what I do, you know, that's it. So that kind of evolved into like, well, maybe I'll do a series on like each type of snow. And so we were going to do groomers, bumps, um, corn and powder and, uh, powder has just eluded us. Um, but yeah. And then, it, um, I was talking to, um, Glenn Morden, who is actually, he's a, he's a good friend of Technica Blizzard. And, um, I think the head designer at Patagonia or whatever. And he, uh, he said something about Return of the Turn, and uh, I asked him if we could use it, and he was like, yeah. We have Glenn to thank. You have to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you are. That's another pro tip mm -hmm. <laughs> that one might stumble into if one lives long enough. Yeah. You might pick up on that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So so that was it, and then, uh, yeah, and then after that, we were like, okay, well, what other aspects of skiing are there besides just snow conditions, you know? And so it was like, okay, well, traveling. So we went to Iceland and, um, you know, and then just, we did a episode at Buck Hill, which is kind of, it's my personal favorite, um, you know, just kind of telling stories of skiers that don't get told often, you know, like ski movies and, and, uh, ski magazines and, and just ski media are so focused in kind of one part of skiing and, and the rest kind of goes untold. And, and so we want to be 
the people that tell those stories, I think, or they, I don't know, those stories are interesting to me and I think it's cool. So, you know, I, I remember when we left for Buck Hill, we were sitting in the airport here in Salt Lake going, man, you know, watching Instagram scroll through there and it just snowed like two feet or something, you know, people are, you know, just freaking pumped and we haven't skied powder in a long time, you know, and that's, like I said, we've been trying to do a powder episode since our fourth year and it just, we haven't been able to do it, you know, so we're just like, oh my God. But both Tim and I were like, yeah, we are both, we would rather be going to Buck Hill, you know, to tell this story and go experience this part of skiing rather, you know, skiing is more than just pillow lines and powder and jumping off stuff and you know there's a lot more to it so and i think that's why these return of the turn episodes resonate so much with so many of us it is still kind of funny like even here at blister we'll sometimes get these comments in where people are like whatever you guys only ski pow all the time and i'm just i just always say like if you actually ski a lot let's say 50, 60, 80, 100 days a season, I promise you, you're not only skiing powder, right? Like that's not a thing that happens. And so watching some of the videos in your episode series, it's like, yeah, that's everyday skiing, right? And the deep, the deepest days, that's the, that's the uncommon stuff. So I still don't quite know where this perception comes from. And you know, I like skiing powder. I like watching people ski powder as much as the next guy. But, um, you know, it, it, I don't know if it, it's not that it gets old, but it's that it makes if you're going to ski powder all the time, it makes you lazy. You know, it's 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 easy to ski powder. It it doesn't take, uh, you know, you can just and especially nowadays with big fat skis and, you know, you just kind of can lean back or stay centered and you don't have to make any moves with, you know, any sort of athletic move whatsoever and just kind of like swish your way down. And, you know, it's fun. I get it. It's fun. Um, but that's not my style of skiing. It's not what, uh, I relate to at all. It's cool. It should be out there. People should go powder skiing and jump off cliffs and straight line stuff. But, um, that's, there's more than that. There is more than that. It's funny. I have talked to a number of people over the years who assume that you grew up skiing on the East Coast. I think we should just take this opportunity to maybe set the record straight. I actually think that's a compliment to you, though. I'll take it. I take it. If you can ski out East, you can ski anywhere. And not only that, it's just their attitude. They drive four or five hours through rush hour traffic or whatever to go ski a weekend in the rain and they're happy about it. You know, like people here in Salt Lake, I've heard people complain at 1130 on a two foot day that it's tracked out too quick. But let's, let's set this record straight. You actually grew up in Utah. Yes. Yeah. Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, this 10th episode, is it, is it okay to say it's out? It's out. It's, it's oh right, it's out. It's out. <laughs> right, I forgot. Everybody's already watched it prior to listening to this conversation. Of course. Well, tell us a bit about it. I, I'm more curious to hear you say how how you describe this episode. Well, it's one that I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, so it's about Midgad, which is the beginner chair at Snowbird, and it is also the chair that all the racers take to training 
And so, yeah, I grew up at Snowbird um, skiing on the Snowbird ski team. And, um, you know, I spent years of my life with cold toes on that old double. And, uh, you know, really, I think, I mean, that, that chair and the terrain off that chair kind of shaped me and, and who I become became as a, I mean, as a person and a skier. So, I mean, so if you haven't skied Midgad, it's probably a six minute ride or so to Midway where you can jump off and, and that's where you would go if you're a ski racer or a beginner skier. Um, and then you can take the lift, continue to take the lift up and right after Midway, that lift shoots straight up. Um, for probably another five minutes and takes you to the top, um, you know, right by the Midgad restaurant. Um, so there is an easy way down from there. So beginners could still go up there and, and come down. But um, the skiing under Midgad and and to the lookers right all under Gad Zoom, um, it's called Get Serious area. And it's steep and it's rocky and it's scary. And... <laughs> It's it's a different type of skiing um, that I have just I think is an acquired taste. You know, you're not making uh, rhythmical turns down anything. Um, you know, you're essentially just trying to survive and get down what you can. It's kind of like, ooh, can I get down over here? You know, like okay, I got down here. Maybe like, you know, if I go this way around this tree, does that? Am I going to be able to make it down this? And and that's the terrain that we would ski when we were kids that um, go into training. We'd think our coaches weren't watching or whatever. Or, you know, we'd go up past midway and then ski that stuff and then shoot over to training, you know. So that was that was the area I grew up, um, you know, and I attribute my skiing style to skiing there. And I've always wanted to make something cool about it because I, I think it's just the – coolest most fun skiing out there um to me it's actually one of my favorite videos in the series i will say you know related question when you were saying you feel like that chair skiing that area really shaped you as a skier when you were saying you're skiing that steep techie stuff and then going to train so is this to say you're skiing that on race skis yeah oh yeah on slalom skis yeah i mean and, <laughs> yeah you go to a ski race and uh you know you look at the snowboard ski team kids bases edges you know they're uh one they don't know how to tune a ski <laughs> you know because the soft snow at snowboard but um yeah they're also their edges are going to be hammered those kids are out there skiing it's pretty cool no i mean yeah any day if you go in there you'll ski you will see a bunch of little kids like, you know, sidestepping over rocks and, you know, on their race skis. And, and that just does not happen anywhere else in the country. It just doesn't. And it's interesting too, if anybody is, you know, watched you ski for more than three minutes, it actually kind of makes sense, right? You're not exactly known for your slarve turn. And so thinking about as a kid being on skinny race skis, skis not known for their ability to slarve a turn and skiing some of that steep techie terrain this all starts to actually make more sense stylistically right yeah so i mean it's it's uh 
something that's always been important to me and and I'm really happy to finally you know I, I'm happy with this it's it is really difficult to show that kind of skiing um it, in fact I mean I don't want to say it's impossible but you know it's I'm happy with the episode but there are things that you just can't portray in a video that you know how steep it is how little snow there is um you know the Utah snow is it we're known for dry snow like dry snow does not stick to solid granite and so you know you ski uh you know one person skis through there and the whole thing sloughs off and it's done until the next storm i i talk about it it's kind of like those uh like crime movies where people are going into the museum to like steal the the big crown, you know, and they got to like memorize where the laser beams are. It's kind of like that. Um, you know, you, you go, go through here, you figure out where all the rocks are and then you can link it together. You know, there's no, it's not, you just can't go ski and make turns in there. Um, you know, you can get down some of the stuff, uh, but to like really make a turn or two turns or, you know, and then three turns, like you have to learn it. Um, it's cool. You know, you're like, and then when you get it in fresh snow, you know, that's the first place I'll go on a powder day and you get it in fresh snow and that's all, you know, has to be up here and you got to memorize it and, and, you know, your right foot here. I know under the snow, there's a big rock over there. Okay. There's a stump there. Avoid that. Cause if you clip that thing, if you clip that stump and you high side, you know, I, you got to fall up the hill. That's the old, I, when I take people in there, I say, okay, the only rules, if you fall, you fall up the hill, like always be ready to bail shoulder uphill. Cause if you hit something in high side, it's, it's bad news. You're ragdolling through rocks and stumps and trees and, and you're going to seriously hurt yourself or worse, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. I love it. It's like your brain is on fire when you're skiing in there it's 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 my favorite type of skiing and and i think there's not too i think it's unique to that area from what i've seen have you skied crested butte people always ask me that when i talk about midget i think i think you might like it here right i've i've skied crested butte but it was for a ski race when i was older and uh yeah i've skied a little bit but not not as much as I should. We've had we have a few zones. I think I think you might I think you might feel right at home. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was mogul skiing actually. Like I was trying to think through I I don't mean to embarrass you here, but I think a lot of us would probably say that you've got, you know, maybe the nicest turn in the game right now for folks that aren't spending all their time on water injected courses, uh, but actually skiing like truly all over the mountain. Well, that's sweet of you. Stop it. No, no, no. Give it. Keep. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Keep, keep. Yeah, yeah. It's Thanksgiving. I'm just trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to be nice. To, but like, I would say that it is not always the case, maybe not even often the case that people who really grew up ski racing really translate that into mogul skiing, especially the kind of like messed up mogul skiing that you seemingly really enjoy and that like we ski all the time. 
you know, like in places like Taos or Crested Butte or whatever, right? Not these like perfect little bump lines, right? That's not what you're doing here. So I guess I'm just curious, like, did that always seem, did did it kind of seem when you were growing up or, or these days, like you were sort of the weirdo who loved arcing turns on nice corduroy, but then also really loved sort of dialing up the volume when it came to like weird off-piste moguls? I don't, I don't think I'm a weirdo. I, uh, I mean, you are, but... Well, not for that reason. Not for that reason, anyway. And I never had to transition from a ski racer to skiing bumps. I always just skied moguls because that's... That's what happened to be know, there. There's moguls on the mountain. Uh, so, so, so um, you know, I think... Yeah, I, I grew up skiing moguls. Um, I also grew up ski racing um, and and whatever, I guess those two styles somehow naturally formed into whatever kind of thing I got going on now. You know, yeah, I mean, people will, on our episodes, our bump episodes, be like, dude, those guys suck compared to the, it's like, well, yeah, you know, we're skiing with the US ski team mogul people, you know, like, they're good at skiing moguls. I, they know what they're doing. I'm just out there, I don't know, doing what I can to like, the skiing moguls the way I like to, the, the ski. There's no point to skiing moguls, you know, like. As Johnny Mosley says, I think, in uh, in episode one, yeah. There, there, I think there's might be a few, all right, a few things to, to touch on. One is moguls are difficult and people don't like to ski them because they're hard and new equipment and new skis have made it. So you don't have to learn how to ski before you think you're a good skier. And so people get into moguls and they're like, they're not fun. You know, it's, it's not the moguls that suck. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's not the moguls that suck. It's you. It's, <laughs> you know, and then as far as like competition bump lines or zipper lines, you know, these perfectly, uh, you know, shaped bumps or whatever, like those are so difficult for me. I blow out in two seconds in one of those. I can't, it's like, it's so hard. Um, you know, those guys are amazing at that, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I never, you never find that in a, in a resort. So I've never skied it, you know, like sometimes if I come across a mogul course somewhere, I ask if I can hop in and people are nice enough. And yeah, I mean, I've skied a, they're really hard, you know, it's a specialized thing. Wait a second. Wait a second. Again, like you, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't a freestyle skier or anything. So like, I've only been on like manicured mogul courses when like I poached them at like a basin. Sorry, a basin. No, you ask, you ask. Oh, I didn't do that at the time <laughs> oh. because I, I did ask. And one of the coaches, I was on like 112 underfoot ski. It was like slushy conditions. And, and I was <laughs> testing the ski to see how it handled like stuff that wasn't powder and this was some years ago and one of the coaches i did ask actually and one of the coaches was like i don't think you can make it down this course on those water skis and then that just kind of made me mad and so like next lap like i came up and then just kind of came in hot and so i don't have a lot of experience here either but i think it's way easier to ski manicured 
perfectly laid out moguls than trying to rip down messed up mogul lines, especially on steep slopes where moguls tend to just get right, like completely slaughtered, right? They're not well manicured. I'm so I'm really curious why you think actual mogul courses are harder to ski. I think it probably has, I mean, this is going to get super nerdy. Let's do it. It probably has to do with the exact same reason I was slow in ski racing. Um, All my pressure comes late and low, um, which is super cool for like catching air and doing hop turns and stuff and like being dynamic, you know, it looks sick, but it's uh, not efficient (laughs) at all. And it's slow. And, uh, you know, I think when you're in the moguls, in a zipper line, being inefficient and slow is you're going to be out quick. And I think that's exactly what happens. Also, I sit back seat. So I don't know. I, can't, I have a hard time controlling my speed in zipper line moguls. Um, it's really hard. But I appreciate that. I appreciate that they're difficult. Um, you know, they're not, it's not the type of skiing that I like to do. Um, you know, I think the cool thing about moguls are just, you have to improvise, you know, if you're, you know, there's in a zipper line, obviously there's a repetitive motion and, and, you know, trying to be efficient and control your speed. Like when you're out there just in a regular mogul, you know, run, um, it's wild, you know, you you don't know what's going to happen. Every run's going to be different. And you have to take it as it comes. And I think that's maybe where I excel more in my skiing. Um, but and, and probably because I enjoy it more. Trying to like hold on, you know, it's it's hold on and make a sick turn here and there. Like I just want to go as fast as I can and, and lay it over as hard as I can and make it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just make it down. Do you really have people in the comments section? Telling you you can't ski moguls? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like those other guys are better. You're like, yeah, the other guy is Johnny Mosley. Like, yeah, he's better. <laughs> thanks for your thanks for your input. Just another bit of evidence that the internet is a wonderful place. Well, I am excited to have people check out this episode. Except that I know they already did check out this episode. But it's a it's a really fun one. And the fact that it's kind of your, I mean, not kind of, literally sort of your home chair lift, I, I think that is a lot of fun. And, and there's a lot of good skiing in there. Uh, unless, I guess I mean horrendous skiing. <laughs> if, uh, if, I, if I'm to join the ranks of the, uh, the internet commenters. I did want to maybe talk about some best or worst ideas for future episodes of Return of the Turn. Are you you open here? Can we can we, you know, spitball a little bit? Yep. Yeah, please. I, I how about an episode of like Return of the Switch Turn? Okay, let's write this down. Yeah. Return of the Switch Turn. <laughs> Just I think I want to see Marcus four minutes all switch. You don't. You don't want to see that. It's that's <laughs> that get old quick. Um, it's, I, I get a lot of requests for return of the telly turn, um, which I really like. Um, but I don't really know how to telly ski. 
You've done it though. So funny enough, the first time I ever went teleskiing, before I could put my skis on, you know, I put my skis down um, and was clicking in. Some guy came up to me. It was like, return to the tele turn. And I was like, well, okay, I need a, I need a sec on this. But yeah, I get a lot of, uh, a lot of that. One, one I would love to do is return to the straight line. I think that would be super fun. But maybe I'm getting too old for that now. It, it's just like turning, except just not right. turning. So I think right. you've got this. Just do less. It's like do less. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And hang on. Also hang on for dear life. What about return of the like dual mono ski? Like the long mono ski bolted with two sets of bindings on it? Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And like who would you want to be the other person? On your, what are we calling this? Return of the, <laughs> it's not the bi mono, but it could be the bi mono. duo. I like that. The mono duo, the duo mono, dual mono. There is only one person that um, could make an episode like that, that I would, that I could ski on a mono ski with, on a duo mono with, and that's Glenn Plake. There, you know, there's no other person that that episode could turn out well with. I mean, now... Now it just feels selfish if you don't make that happen and give that gift to all of us. I don't even, I, do you know him? I, can you get in touch with him? <laughs> I can 100% put you two in touch, yes. If, if that's all that needs to happen here, consider it done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know what I'm doing when we get off this call. Hey, Glenn, happy Thanksgiving. I have a request for your next project. No, we've, we've talked to him about trying to get involved a little bit. He'll be like, oh my God, this guy again with a duo mono, please stop. I'm going to have a restraining order. I'm going to help on this. I'm going to do my part. I like this. We have, you, we've got some good ideas. Wait, these are good ones? Are these bad? <laughs> these are <Okay>. great ones. <laughs> no, I feel like all of these are just fantastic. The switch turn, fantastic. Mm-hmm. The telly turn, the duo mono with plaque. Come on. We're just on fire right now. Maybe we should just keep this going. This, ep- this series is writing itself. <laughs> it does. It do- It's really simple. That's why there's been 10 episodes in four years. But, was that a dig? <laughs> no, no, no. We're just, just a fan that wants to, you know, just wants to be encouraging, encouraging more, more content. Did you have any other any other things you wanted to pro- propose, either on the good idea or maybe even give us a bad idea? I could probably show you uh, all my proposals that have never gotten anywhere. Those are probably all bad ideas. No, I mean, I I have tons of ideas that I've, uh, I don't know, they're, I, I feel uncomfortable sharing, you know, that's, that's part of the, it's part of the, it's part of the, the thing, you know, when you see something come out, it's new and different, you know, you don't want to like spoil it. But that's to say that your bad ideas might someday make it into the good idea pile. There sounded like a hopefulness there. We've done 10 episodes (laughs) of of ideas that have been bad ideas. Go to Minnesota, (laughs) Okay. you know, during a, during a powder, powder storm. That's not a bad idea. Come on. What, what others... Yeah, try pitching that. Okay, fair. I feel like I can help. I feel like I can be a helpful resource here. So we can we can talk off air a bit. And uh, yeah, I'm going to start 
just throwing my little two cents around to, yeah, see what I can do. So I'm glad we've had, I'm glad we're having this conversation. I wanted to ask you a bit about coaching. How long have you been coaching officially or unofficially? I prefer inspire, inspiring. 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 Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'd say everything's about 10 years. It's, it's more than that. This, I've probably been coaching for 13 years. It was after I quit ski racing and I needed a summer job and I had no skills uh, besides skiing. So I started coaching up in Mount Hood. And so I started doing that every summer. And, and uh, yeah, I think it's been about 13 years. Um, and about four or five years ago, I started my own camps um, called Party Beach Ski Camps. And uh, we started out as a race camp. And now we are an exclusively big mountain camp. So, yeah, that's been cool. Yeah, coaching. What do you want to know? Inspiring. Inspiring. So, yeah, about 13 years. Well, I think, frankly, I want to start with, I know a whole lot of very high-level athletes that just aren't really interested in the, like, very different skill of trying to communicate. It's one thing to be able to do something. It's another to be able to communicate that and translate and help others kind of get it. That's that's coaching. Ah. That's coaching. They should try inspiring. Okay. It's it's different. I'm trying to decide how serious to take you about this right now. Half and half. So, you know, when I started coaching, you know, it, it really just made me a better skier. Um, I quit ski racing and then and then having to tell people how to do it, you know, I was like, oh my God, there's actually like a diff, you know, I have to think about what I'm doing. I just can't like be a wall that someone's talking to, you know, like you have to like find a way to get through to someone. And so there's multiple ways to think about doing that. And every person is different. And then you start to realize that, wait, maybe there is more than just one way to do this. You know, maybe skiing is different for everyone. Um, and so for me, that's kind of when I started going like, okay, what is it we're actually doing here? Like, let's break it down. You know, I, I just spent the last 15 years of my life being told the same things over and over, get your hips up, keep your inside hand up, you know, pull your feet back, ankle flexion, outside ski. Like, what are these things? And you tell these kids, you know, and they, what are you working on outside ski? You're like, what is, that's not, that's nothing. That's not a thing outside ski. What, what about it? You know, what are you doing? What are you trying to do out here? You know? And so it's, yeah. So, okay. What, what are we actually trying to accomplish here? And it's a different, you know, and, and so for me, like it makes me a better skier to think like that. And it's really cool when you can uh, break through to someone and, and they realize they, they take on some sort of responsibility for themselves rather than being like, just talk to, they're like, oh, what is it that I'm actually trying to do? You know, and then they like skiing, they, you know, want to get better at it. And so they start working on it, you know? So it's, it's cool to see a kid or, or anyone go from this, like, uh, just a robot going through motions to being like, wait, no, I like this. I want to get better at it. What is it that I'm trying to do here and work on it? 
So you're saying the the different things, it's not an infinite list of things to work on, right? There's maybe you you rattled off about six things about how a person wants to pressure their skis at a given point in the turn or something like that. But that's actually like that's a pretty finite number of things. It gets it gets really simple, you know, what you're actually trying to do out there on skis, you know. So if you can break it down, I have found three things you can break it down into, you know, and within those three things you can break it down a little further, but, you know, balance, rhythm, and personal expression. And if you have those three things, you're skiing, you know, and, and then, you know, however you want to accomplish that, you know, everything that you're told as a skier, like to do, it fits into one of those categories. Um, but instead of thinking about it from, um, you know, the top down, you got to think of, think about it from the bottom up. What is balance? Like, what does that even mean? You know, what is rhythm? That's a pretty easy one, right? And personal expression. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, skiing is more simple than people make it out to be, uh, especially bitter old coaches. And, um, you know, I think they just, it's easy to like think that it's important. Um, you know, it's, it's just skiing. So for Party Beach, what kind of, age ranges can like who can come who are who mostly comes who are you wanting to have come maybe the internet commenters yeah no i think anybody can come um you know we've had yeah yeah we've had kids as young as six years old come you know if you need help we can find extra help for that person i'd say for our normal camp you know, they're mostly 15, 16, 17, 14. I don't know. I, I'd say we have a really good mix, you know, maybe all from 11 through 18, you know, each, yeah, at each age group, we probably have five people more, you know, but then what I really like is you throw in the 50 year old or the 60 year old into that. And that is a cool thing when you start getting the 13 year old and the 50 year old like peer pressuring each other into doing something or you know teaching each other something um i really like that that said we also do a adult uh sorry a big kid camp a big kid camp you know for for people over the age of i guess technically 18 but 21 you know over 21 big kid party beach inspirational camp yeah, adult camp or whatever, and and uh, um, that one's super cool because you get a lot of people, you know, in their fifties or sixties, or we might have people in our seventies, and they're all out there learning to jump. You know, my actually, my dad came to camp. He's pushing seventy there, and he's hitting his mogul. He's hitting mogul jumps uh, for the first time. You know, so that's really cool. So yeah, party beaches for everyone that just wants to get better at skiing and be inspired and be inspired. Yeah. I like it, man. Well, it's cool what you're doing. It's a great series. I love how much of a reflection the series is of exactly kind of what you do. And you've said, well, here, what you like to do. And um, 
So I, it's, it blows my mind if I have to say something like, so people go check out the Return of the Turn series if you somehow have not seen this yet. And, sh- and share it. And share it. And share it with your friends. That would be good yeah. too. Share it, with, share it with your friends. We, uh, yeah, my life is, uh, the outcome is determined on shares. That's right. And views now. That's, yeah. So people, if we're ever going to get to see the Duo Mono video, this is completely contingent. Well, one, apparently to me pressuring Glenn Plake to go meet up with you, the weirdo. But two, everybody's sharing these episodes. So Glenn will be like, oh my God, yes. The world is clearly hungry for more Return of the Turn episodes. Right? I think we have this. We're, we're nailing the, yeah, we're nailing the pitch here. You're hired. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we will have a link to the YouTube channel in the show notes to this episode. Honestly, if you, I don't know, unless you have no soul and hate having fun and skiing, I don't know what to say to you other than just watch these things and it's kind of the best and everybody I know thinks they're the best and that's all I got. No, thank you. That's that's nice of you. I do want to say though, where should people go to learn more about Party Beach? Because I want to, I think we need to get some more folks out there too. PartyBeachSkiCamps.com and we also are on Instagram. Um, yeah, Party Beach Ski Camps. So, yeah, it's super fun. It's, uh, you know, for me, it's it's just a way that lightens up my winter and summer. Keeps me excited about skiing and yeah, it's it's a it's a blast. Hey man, I want to let you go enjoy Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, thank you, thank you for doing this. I appreciate that. And uh, I think I might go do the same. So uh, yes, we're off to our respective uh, Thanksgivings. Is but what a fun thing to do is connect with you on this. And uh, yeah, excited for everybody to check out the new episode and all of the series. And and I really truly am looking forward to the the next next too. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's been a blast. And uh, yeah, the more turkey you eat, the more bumps you can smash. <laughs> I, I I heard a wise man once say that. <laughs> yeah, probably not that wise. But. <laughs> Maybe not that wise, but I heard somebody say that today. So um, right. anyway. Hey, man, Marcus, thank you. And uh, good luck with everything. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. I want to say thanks to Marcus for sharing his Thanksgiving with me. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again later this week. 